Welcome to another episode of the Speed Change P podcast today with a special guest, um, which actually took a while to, to schedule, but I'm, I'm actually quite happy. Um, Jen Snow. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? Hi, Jonathan. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited that we got to catch up. I, we had like to change the schedule, change the schedule again and just try to sync and everything. And I'm so delighted to be here. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Right. You know, and, and I, I mean, obviously, those are crazy times, right? And, and everybody is busy. I mean, and then also the other thing is, you know, but it's, it's amazing that we have technology, right? You're, you're in the States. I'm in Europe, you know, so uh, we have the chance to actually have this, you know, and, and kind of see each other and then just, you know, enjoy this great conversation. Um, so I'm actually quite happy for that and um, also looking forward to it. Let's maybe kind of start with the first thing, you know, that we always do on the show before we actually dive into whatever, you know, we're going to dive into and where this conversation is going to carry us into. Um, to start off by, you know, just you kind of giving us a little bit of a background on who you are, where you come from, you know, kind of just like in a, in a storytelling way, go through the different stages in your professional life, you know, and uh, so that we kind of get an understanding on who, we're, who we are talking to today. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm excited. Um, so I, I had sort of a strange career path coming out of college in that I was a park ranger and a wildland firefighter for five years. And uh, Fish and Wildlife Service sent me back for a degree in political science. And in doing that, I got into Middle Eastern policy and that got me into the Air Force. So I became a military officer and I've been in for uh, almost uh, 19 years now. I'll be retiring in 2022. My focus was counterproliferation. So how do you stop chem, bio and nuclear weapons? And because I spoke geek and I spoke government and I could translate technology really well between the two, they hired me to become an innovation officer, which I've been doing for the last seven years, roughly. Love it, absolutely love it. Um, I get to connect private sector, public sector, non-traditional communities like hackers and makers around wicked problems and look at how we can bring this technology to bear in meaningful ways. Um, I also look at how can we leverage technology for social good? 80% of the work we do in the military is all about not having to go to war to begin with. So if we can prevent the conflict up front, stabilize an area and provide people with technology that enables them to have the best possible life, that's what we're all about. And that's a lot of what I'm doing um, as the chief technology officer for AFWorks, which is the Air Force Innovation Wing. I'm also the chief technology officer on uh, my spare time for the Mentor Project, which is all about uh, teaching kids uh, grades kindergarten through 12th and early uh, college about STEM and uh, we have 70 plus uh, mentors that are available to do international mentoring ranging from current astronauts to one of the co-founders of the firewall to the gentleman that uh, patented the first digital credit card and beyond. And so it's just an amazing group to be part of. Um, and then I'm also an innovation advisor for Moonmark Space, which we are launching the first lunar racers developed by high school students. Uh, they cost $50,000. We developed them in six weeks with these brilliant high school students. And next year in 2021 in the fall, Intuitive Machines is launching them to race them on the moon from the, the surface of the earth. First time ever. So these are just a few of the areas that I'm really passionate about and that I love. And, and the technology that makes all of that happen is what I'm super passionate about. I love it. There's, um, there's obviously a lot of very, very interesting things that you've seen and worked on over the, you know, over the course of your career. And, um, you know, I, I got to know some of them when we talked um, 
when we had our conversation prior to this podcast. And um, kind of, I think before before we kind of delve into you know the status quo and then kind of the things that you're doing in your role as a CDO at uh, at work, you know, because um, I, I imagine there's lots of things that you can share us uh, share with us there on the amazing work that you go, that you guys do there. You know, what is kind of maybe break it down because um, you know from from because you said you know you've been 19 years 19 years in, in government service, you know. If you break it down, you know, and, and the, the, the funny thing is I've, I've, I've noticed that people have a, have a hard time breaking things down to kind of these, you know, when you ask, you know, when you ask them on their top threes, you know, or top twos or top fives or whatever, you know, people have a hard time to do to kind of answer that, you know. Yeah. Um, but if you if you kind of look back, you know, on your time, what are kind of, you know, the top three learnings or the kind of the top three moments that you take away, you know, when somebody would ask you, you know, like with spending so much time in that space, you know, what, like, if you would break it down, what are the things that you, mm. that you would mention, you know, that, that you take away from that time? I think um, when I, when I first came in to the government, um, one of the things I realized when I was still a park ranger was the value of technology. And this was, um, using technology for ecosystem preservation. We were doing a lot of work with endangered species at the time. We were radio tagging sturgeon and endangered Delmarva fox squirrels, figuring out where their habitat was, what were the impacts on the habitat. Uh, in one case, there was a housing community being built and there was some logging happening. Uh, for the fish, we were looking at the impact of um, different types of effluents being released along the Chesapeake Bay and understanding um, how to use a diverse network of sensors to collect that, to ensure that you have a, a holistic picture of the health. Um, that really came back to my understanding of how important technology is to improve everything like globally. So if we wanna do ecosystem preservation, environmental science, if we want to do um, efficiencies in business, if we want to do remote education, um, if we want to give people tools to reduce risk and to help them stay healthy, at the heart of all of this is an understanding, a deep understanding and knowledge of how to apply technologies in smart ways that uplift and empower people and improve their lives. And so that was the first lesson that, that came from my time there. I did a lot around environmental education, fire sciences, um, and understanding technology's role in those areas, I think led into my work with the Air Force. Um, because then it became more serious. Then we were talking about things like chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear weapons. And in these cases, um, it became about understanding which technologies would help to indicate if something bad was going to happen or somebody was doing a dangerous activity or how technologies might be improvised to create a dangerous um, potential uh, for, for somebody to do something bad. And especially after 9-11, that became really important to understand. Um, and I did a lot of work around countering improvised explosive devices in Iraq and in Afghanistan and um, understood the importance of innovation. I would say that was the second lesson because you don't need a lot of money to innovate and to do things very smartly. Um, one of the things that we did was um, the Iraqi forces were resettling a number of areas and we had built um, new homes for people to move into. But the insurgents would come in in the night and put explosives in the walls and we didn't have enough robots or dogs to clear all of them. So 
we needed something that was affordable, that would work quickly, that could ensure families that when they were moving into a place, they wouldn't get injured or they wouldn't get killed because we missed something. And um, we brought in people ages 13 into their 80s, uh, had them all sit down. We said, look, this is the problem. We need your help. So we, we had all of these people come together and the idea was, okay, how can we come up with a solution to defeat you know, these passive IR garage door openers that detect heat and motion? And so somebody in the back said uh, bubbles and I'm going, is this his call sign? Is this his, you know, what, what's the, what's the deal? And he said, no, no, we can use a party bubble machine. And so we tried it out and we put them on remote control cars and put bubbles up into the air and the bubbles would move around a closed space. And every time it would cause the device to, to flash and it was less than $40. So this is something that we shared as a, a concept that, if you want to figure out where improvised explosive devices are, this is something you could do very affordably and not risk lives um, and make sure that people are moving into their homes safely. And so that innovation, crowdsourcing innovation, um, in being inclusive, having diversity of perspective, all of that came into that second lesson, which was understanding the role that innovation can play in solving really tough challenges. And then I would say, um, the third lesson I've learned, and this was the most recent for me, was as I transitioned from counterproliferation into the innovation space, was the importance of an ecosystem. And that's because we don't have the depth of knowledge, we don't have the access, but we need to know where we can find the expertise, where we can find the, the smart people, the bright minds to bring together around tough challenges. And so building an ecosystem that's open and it's accessible to everybody, and everyone is welcome to come as they are and share the thoughts that they want is really important. And one of the things we really emphasize is, hey, 80% um, of our operations are about not going to war to begin with. So we have a bunch of conscientious objectors that come in and team up with us because they're like, we don't want to go to war. And so we're supporting, how do we do you know, these operations to improve healthcare or remote medicine or farming, agricultural? We had uh, one team we worked with where we were leveraging satellites with internet of things devices on the ground to detect um, proper agricultural like watering and nutrient needs. So you could detect it from remote sensing and in areas that are really dry or not nutrient rich, you could see when they would apply nutrients and you could save a lot of money because then the farmers know where to put it, when to put it and how much. And same with water, if you have limited water resources. So these kinds of technologies can allow people to really thrive in areas that they couldn't before. So those would be the three lessons I would say. Yeah, the, the, those are those are some very interesting, very interesting stories and use cases. And I think they just highlight, you know, on all the different, you know, different aspects that, 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 that you worked on, you know, and uh, so that makes me even more excited to go to go further in this conversation, you know, so um, I, I think innovation and, and, you know, some of the things that you already touched upon, you know, and, and especially I think the last one with the ecosystem, you know, yeah. think, you know, we see in, in the last years, we've seen more and more kind of, you know, the, the importance for that. And I think, and oftentimes the technology and, you know, when it comes to innovation, I think, you know, we, we see that all over the we, we see that all over the world that you know that people try to build these ecosystems i think the silicon valley just has been like such a big inspiration for people globally you know that that uh, an ecosystem can create really let's say incredible things you know 
attract yeah. credible individuals, you know, and ultimately create innovation. However, I believe that that ecosystems are not something that are, you know, that you can create just purely with money and um, that you cannot just like say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to grab a bunch of resources and then I'm just going to create this ecosystem or, uh, you know, uh, within a kind of a, an eye flash, you know, because I yeah. think things are developing over time, you know, and the same as, same as the Silicon Valley was in Silicon Valley as it is today, you know, just, you know, within a, within a, a year or whatever, you know, it took really, let's say decades, you know, for it to evolve and to come to the, to become what it is today. And I think that goes with every ecosystem, right? I agree. I agree. Jonathan, that's such an important point. Um, I just had a discussion recently on quality versus quantity uh, networks or ecosystems. Yeah. So what you're talking about is building an ecosystem that maybe you do a lot of marketing and you don't know everybody in the ecosystem. So you're buying participation. Yeah. The motivations and the incentives there are a lot different than if you build a quality ecosystem or a network where like you and I met online and we have shared innovation passions and we love podcasts and we love having these discussions. And so that brought us together because we also share a lot of the same ethics, values and morals and I think when you build a quality network, you tend to attract the types of people that um, are similar to you in positive ways that you want to build. Um, two examples, I worked with the hacker community to rebuild a number of bridges when I was out in California um, to get hackers to come back in and start participating more with government. And they didn't want to initially because they had been arrested for reporting vulnerabilities and they had like all this stuff, the bad things happened to them when they interacted with the government. They said, we don't want to work with you guys. And the government said, hey, can you go talk to them and see how we can earn the trust back and rebuild the relationship? It took four months. I had to meet with 110 different people um, face to face. I met them at restaurants. I met them with their lawyers. I met them at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I met them at their house. Um, I met them walking their dogs. I went wherever I needed to go um, to meet with them and have these conversations. And afterwards, um, every one of them signed up and said, yes, we'll participate because we've met you, you heard us. The listening part, right? It's big because you heard us, you heard our, our, our fears, you heard our concerns, and now we hear you and okay, we trust and we wanna come back and be part of what you're building. And that was one example where that network, we've got now close to 4,000 people collaborating across all of these government spaces and internationally to make a difference. Um, they're securing Wi-Fi enabled medical devices. They're doing things like protecting hospitals and schools from different kinds of hacks. They're alerting corporations and governments to vulnerabilities. That didn't happen before, but because of this, we were able to go out and build a network it evolved from 110 people to over 4,000 people. So that's that's the quality network. And I think these things, if you invest the time, you can build them very smartly and get incredible results from them. Yeah, that's, uh, that's super, super, super important. You know, and uh, funny that you mentioned that with the listening part, also something that we that we kind of dove in before we started recording this podcast. It's funny how things match, you know. Um, hey, but I think before... Before uh, before we dive a little bit deeper into into maybe you know some some of the stuff that you can tell us you know from your 
from your past, some of the things that you've seen and some of the things that you worked on, you know, and I think there's a lot, you know, let's, let's maybe kind of get an understanding of what are some of the things that, that you worked on in a, in a recent, uh, recent time, you know, with, um, yeah, as you said, uh, you're the CTO of FWorks, you know, um, here at the U.S. Air Force, uh, doing innovation, doing different types of projects, working on technology, using technology in different settings, different contexts, you know, maybe kind of, you know, let's let's first start with, you know, the organization itself, kind of explaining on what it's yeah. about, you know, what are the things that you guys, you know, supposed to do and what are the things that you're kind of aiming to do. And then more or less, you know, what are the things that you that you're really personally, you know, pushing uh, towards? Yeah. Oh, definitely. So I love this question because I'm really excited about our team and really excited about what AFWorks is doing. Um, so AFWorks was stood up as a friendly front door to access the government for hackers and makers, for small businesses, um, for academics to come in and team with us on the toughest challenges. The idea being that we really wanted to create a safe space for messy discussions around tough technology challenges inside the government and then also outside the government. So um, to that end, we've got several different initiatives. We've got one which is called Spark Tank. And Spark Tank is focused on enabling our airmen to come forward and say, look, we have a problem. We're struggling with this issue. We're, this is broken. This isn't working. Um, we need help. Can you match us with resources and expertise to help us solve the problem quickly? If enough people come online and they're saying, yes, this is a problem for us too, We'll get them paired with resources and whatever comes out of that, that solution that comes out the other end, then goes across to solve that problem for whole of the Air Force. So in some cases, there were, for example, several personnel systems that you'd open one window to get a piece of information and you have to open another window to enter that to get another piece of information. Meanwhile, this window had closed on you. You had to reopen this and enter. Not, not useful, not you know efficient at all. And so we had some airmen that were down at Special Operations Command that came up with an idea and they said, look, we can actually create a backbone that ties all of this together and allows these programs to share the information so we don't have to keep opening one, opening the other, opening, because they were losing like 30 minutes, 40 minutes at a time. And they figured out how to streamline it. So one process that would normally take them maybe an hour to do now took only 10 to 15 minutes. Um, that is a best practice that can now be shared across the Air Force. Very excited about that. The other thing that we do is we have uh, small business innovation research grants and uh, science tech transfer grants. These are for small businesses that are coming in that have an idea or a prototype and they want to work with the government. In this case, they want to work with the Air Force. So they come in with the idea and if it meets one of our requirements, they get $50,000 and they get a list of all the government customers that might be interested. If a government customer says, yes, we're interested in participating with you, we'll help you shape the idea to solve this problem we have, then they can go to a phase two. The phase two could be matched. So a command uh, could actually match and say, hey, I'm going to give you $150,000. And then AFWorks will say, great, we're going to match it $150,000. That company now has $300,000 to work for the next two years on developing something out that will help meet this, this problem for that particular command. Um, we've seen a lot of success with that because then if the solution is good, they can also commercialize it, which means they might get interest from an incubator or, or a private sector accelerator or venture capital 
to grow their business and to commercialize it. Well, at the same time, the government is also funding it to solve their problems, which means it stays competitive. They're getting private sector dollars and they're also getting public sector dollars and they can grow their company really quickly. So that's been exciting because in many cases, it used to be very difficult to work with the government. Now you come in, you do a five page application. After the team reviews it, 45 days later, if it's accepted, you have your money. You have your list of customers, you, you interact with the customers. We do weekly webinars to educate and inform the, the companies and answer any questions. And then if the customer says, yes, we wanna go forward, now you're into a two-year contract and you continue building forward. If you go to a phase three, that's where you transition it over to a longer term contract. So that's another program that we have. And then um, we've got AF Ventures where we partner public sector dollars alongside of venture capitalists around really big challenges, things like quantum computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, and figure out how are we going to solve this? And what does that look like? And then, uh, oh, and we also have Agility Prime, which we're focused on how do we leverage new technologies in flight um, to create things like um, flying cars. But in this case, the flying cars might be moving COVID vaccines around, or maybe they're doing resupply to a remote area, um, or maybe they're doing medical evacuations. I mean, there's so many different options that you could do with these. And so these are all ideas and project areas that we're working under AFWorks. Um, I guess the latest, there's so many projects we're working on right now. Uh, we cover like 37 different areas. So there's always something going on. I guess the latest big projects we have, um, the first one was um, in August, we had the Fusion um, uh, event that we did, which is our largest annual event. And we just completed Accelerate last week. This was looking at green technologies. so. Uh, solar, natural gas, wind, uh, water power, hydropowered solutions for bases, um, contactless entry. So if you're driving onto the base, it's almost like when you drive on the freeway and it registers a toll and you just drive right under, there's no toll booth anymore. Uh, or if you're accessing a building, you have a badge and it scans the badge and it just lets you in if you have access. If it doesn't, it notifies somebody that you need an escort and they come down to help. But that way you're not touching doors and it helps to keep things cleaner and safer. We also looked at a number of automated solutions that could help decontaminate areas on bases so that at night or in unused areas of buildings, you have UV going through on robots and it would actually clean these spaces and keep them disinfected and safer. Um, so then after that, the other big one that we're looking at is the quantum consortium. I'm really excited about this because for the first time, We'll be teaming up with private sector partners, uh, 10 of the top 34 Ivy League schools in the US, um, the service schools, so the Air Force Institute of Technology, the Naval Postgraduate School, the Air Force Research Labs, Navy Research Labs, and their tech bridges to actually, uh, for the first time, create a curriculum that will educate our mid to senior level leaders about quantum but in such a way that we're building an ecosystem around them so that if they're doing regulatory or policy work, or if they're dealing with a crisis situation, they can reach to the national labs, but they can also reach to the best and brightest at all of these academic universities nationwide and talk to their laboratories, look at the tech that they're working on and talk to the experts there and get advice. So it creates a really um, evolved dynamic system that keeps people engaged. So I, I would say those are the, the latest projects we've been working on that I'm very excited for. 
Yeah, that's super interesting. And, um, you know, in regards to that quantum part, uh, if, I, if I'm going to forget it, remind me, I have something in mind there that... Uh, okay. That yeah, I will. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hey, um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we could kind of go into, but what I love, what I love about that, you know, about all these things that you just told the, told us, is that you know it just shows basically um, exactly that one thing that we talked about as well in our first conversation is you know the how, how what is the status quo of governments kind of partnering up and working together with the startup sector, you know, because um, and I, because I told you that from my perspective, you know, that's something that is not really that visible, you know, it's something that that you don't really see, you know, because and also morally, you know, like what is what is kind of the status there, you know, when it when it comes to, for example, things that are more related to the defense uh, industry right. whatsoever, right? And there's a, a bunch of things there, but it, it, it's a great example, you know. And I and I think, and I think that is, um, you know, it, it wasn't always like that, right? And so maybe mm -hmm. uh, I I don't know, like for for you guys, what what was kind of the you know. The starting point for that you know what was kind of the trigger that that kind of came in and, and, and said okay you know that's why we need to do this and that's why we're starting this that's why we're setting up a unit that kind of you know is our arm in order to connect with that that part yeah. and kind of influence that into our you know organization you know for for us i, I know in the states it started with the discussion of the fourth industrial revolution and uh secretary works um, papers and, and his thoughts and discussion around the, the need to really spark innovation in a big way um, in the United States. And that, you know, after the Manhattan Project, it felt like we started to fall off in, you know, the government because we used to lead much of the innovation and now we've outsourced a lot of it. And he was really keen to bring that back. And a lot of people um, got excited about it. Um, I think one of the, the foremost leaders for this was uh, now Secretary, Assistant Secretary of the Navy, um, Jim Gertz, Hondo Gertz. Um, he actually started Softworks, which was one of the first works models, the first innovation, open innovation models. Um, and he set it up in a tattoo parlor outside of Tampa. And it was unheard of. And everybody was talking about, they're like, what is he doing? What is this thing? Um, but it was important because it was the first time we made an innovation center open to the public, open to where companies could come in and just talk to the government, open to where schools could come in, hackers and makers could come in and bring their ideas or just come participate in challenges that had never been done before. And um, most people didn't want to team up with us because you know if you have to go through guards, gates and guns to get to us. And they're like, we're well, not in for that. We don't want that. Um, but it was also important for another reason. A lot of people, um, I think, lost touch with the, the connection with the military and our jobs and what we do. And so if you only know us from the, from the media, it looks like all we're doing is constantly fighting and going to war. And in fact, we do a lot more than that. And innovation is a big part of what we do. And we try to give back to society. It's something that's you know, been part of our history. And so reinvigorating that and really allowing the public to come in and, and play a role got people so excited. And they said, now I can contribute to something that's meaningful and give back to the government, give back to the country in a way that's really powerful for me. And um, it was exciting to see it. I, we had kids come in with these amazing ideas and they would just start 
talking to us and telling us here's you know what we're going to build and how we're going to build it and I was blown away I mean you, you've got a seven-year-old that's telling us you know here's how I would like measure the muzzle of a security forces dog to create a mask for like a little gas mask for the dog and it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant and she and her dad were on the phone talking to us about this and she was so excited and she's like I'm tell all my friends, I got to help the military, I got to help the Air Force. And, and you could just feel the pride and the excitement. Her dad was like, she's never been this excited about science before. I couldn't get her to do her math before, but now math is exciting because it applies to real world problems. And so that was, that was a big part of what came out of this was seeing this re-energization of the American people, the public getting more involved, private sector saying, oh, maybe government is not as cumbersome and as difficult to work with as we thought. Maybe we can be part of this and then also share ideas on how to keep improving it and refining it. And that's that's what's happened. Um, so you went from one model to close to 30 models. You went from a few innovation officers and chief technology officers to I've got a, a meeting I attend once a month for government innovation, and we have 115 people on that meeting alone just here in DC. Wow. Things are changing, and I think it's changing because we started to be more open. And the more open you are and transparent you are, the more people can get involved and bring good ideas in. And that diversity of perspective, oh, that's so, so, so important. That's how, that's how you get to succeed. That is, that is, uh, that is amazing. You know, and I, I think that the key word, you know, open transparency kind of thing, you know, and ultimately, you know, technology and innovation, you know, results in, you know, and, or enables you to, to make things more transparent or more easy, you know, for people to understand, you know, because if you think about it, right, like the, oftentimes, you know, the, the infrastructure, uh, like, uh, from, 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 government side right when it comes to websites for ministries or whatever you know like when it comes to immigration immigration things or whatever that is right oftentimes i remember and i think it's still it's still part because it's just it's huge infrastructure right you cannot just yeah. change that in a, in a in a bit you know but it's it's just it's built up so complex that and it, it's really off you know the status quo on how uh, a consumer or how a person basically um, consumes technology right it is very right. centric it's very it's very easy to understand you know the every everything the outline uh, and everything and then and, and there it's just super difficult you know for people to like even just like go through it you know to, to yeah. understand where is what right where, where can i find what information you know and i think that's why it's super important the, the, the more the more innovation you are able to infuse and the better you are able to like you know use also technology in, in, in a government space i guess the more you're also gonna build up a closer relationship with the people you know or the, the closer people will feel to government you know because oftentimes and that goes for a lot of things right it goes even like you mentioned a couple of these like challenges and all these things right or these grants and whatever that is you know and oftentimes people don't even know what is out there they don't even know what the government is offering you know or has to offer you know like i have two friends right now who are um they're like uh one is an electrical engineer so like he's still in his uh, he's still in his studies right now but and the other one is like uh he's very good in, in product design and they're like really thinking about like a lot of stuff you know they're very innovative and stuff and they have this idea about building like a 
electrical uh, like they have some some innovative ideas on electrical charging stations mm -hmm. and they and they have and they need like a seed funding for that you know but they have no idea like that there's so many different different pots that they can actually tap tap into right so many so much support from the state government or from the national government or whatever that is you yes. know and, and and that's that's just an example you know and i think that goes for everything the government has so much to offer but oftentimes you know the communication or the connection to the people is not really there you know? yeah and jonathan that's such an important point because um many times for us part of the challenge of innovation was we were waiting for people to come to us but they didn't know how to approach us exactly um, because you're intimidating like if i'm in uniform and i've got my rank on and i'm sitting there as a lieutenant colonel people are like i'm not going up near her you know, they don't want to, they're not comfortable. And, um, but when I'm like this and I'm approachable and I'm in a public space and people feel comfortable asking questions, but also if they're not comfortable coming in person, then we do a digital space. Right. Digital space allows people to come and learn and ask questions and interact with us around different projects in meaningful ways where they can get the answers they need. And so we've started to really, um, try to create an expensive digital space where people again can interact in the ways that they're comfortable and bring the skills and the knowledge and, and share the way that means the most to them as far as a contributor would. Um, I think also, you know, we, we've started working with like the NATO Innovation Hub um, and yeah. they're at Virginia Beach and uh, Serge DeBeppo is their lead. He's fantastic and he's talking about, okay, how can we build this bigger and how can we do some challenges where people with all different kinds of ideas about like these top five areas. What does that look like? How can they get involved? How can we fund that? So now it's starting to go bigger. And then um, I know I, I've talked with uh, the, the cyber team there in Germany and, and Dr. Uh, Simon Voigt and, and his team and the German version of DARPA now that's standing up. That's really exciting because now you have um, an institute that's going to be able to encompass a lot of these innovative opportunities where people come in with ideas and they say, look, this is what I've got. And now maybe they get two, three years funding and they get a mentor and they get people that are, are moving those ideas that are priorities for the government along. So I, I think making that known and, and providing a public space where people can come in and learn and, and see how to apply for it and when there are webinars to learn about it it's really a good thing and it's easy to do. And um, especially now in 2020, we have so many tools that allow us to connect around the world and learn about these things and then solve problems. We might be in lockdown, but we can still be making a difference. And that's what's happening right now. So I'm getting very excited about that because uh, previously I would have had to fly to Germany or we would have done a phone call or, you know, and that's that's hard to to um, to set up because you have to you have to have a reason to be there and other meetings and all of this. So it probably would have been a week long trip. But now I can say, hey, Jonathan, I can jump on a call with you and let's let's have this fun discussion and talk about innovation and the way ahead. And we can just set a time and it's navigating time zones and there's no travel involved. And it's it's great. It's great. And I think this is going to build even closer partnerships for international innovation. And that's where I see the next step going. We can all start to come together as innovators around things like climate change, um, things like telehealth, things like dealing with the pandemic in meaningful ways through this type of medium. That's very exciting.
Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the things that you that you said, and I think that is super important to to highlight and to underline, is that that you know that idea of you know we we thought that people that people are coming to us, right? But uh, they, they they most oftentimes you know they they are not even aware, you know, and and that's why it it just points out the crucial role that you know that government institutions, you know, and that that goes from from every you know that goes from education to 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 the military to whatever that is, you know, to be president, to show people, you know, what the potentials are and then to, and for as well, the same time to, uh, to implement and, and come up with new innovative ideas to, to, you know, to showcase people the, the ability of, uh, or also the existence of, of things, right? I mean, yeah. I, had this, I had this conversation today on the notion of luck, you know, like what, how much, how much luck a person has and what that ultimately means for their life, you know, and that starts with where you are born, right. Or what household you're growing in, uh, up in, you know, or uh, what, what school you're going to and the people that you meet uh, and all those things are kind of like uh, setting you up for what you're doing and what you are aware of, you know? Yes. And, and that's why, you know, I think that that's why it's so important for the work, you know, for such thing as uh, such, uh, such things that you guys, for example, that you that you told uh, told us about you know for these, these different types of events getting people in you know getting their ideas on and stuff like that because you never know right on how how that well, first of all how they will affect you but also how you will affect them right and what they will take out of this you know they will have a completely yeah. different different uh, idea about 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 what you're doing or what what is even existing you know so yeah, Jonathan, it opens that aperture and it lets them see the possibilities. So before, maybe they were very narrow, right? But yeah. now they're looking much, much bigger than what they thought because they're thinking, gosh, I didn't think I could get involved with a project like this. Yeah. I didn't think I could do this. It changes everything. Yeah, 100%. Um, great. Let's, let's kind of evolve into some of the, some of the things that are, um, you know, you, you said that you're working or that you have been working a lot with hackers and and you know and i, I yeah, think yeah yeah of the, the entire space of cybersecurity, you know and hacking i think um it's, it's super interesting and i think that is that is one part that yeah. the average person is literally not thinking about you know and which is but which is at the same time so present you know and the it same has its own worlds right obviously yes. but it is so present you know and and also the the the, the dangerous the dangerous uh, parts of that are obviously very very much present and um and i i, I like that a lot you know um I, I think it's 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 something which is very kind of you know it's, it's in a shadow so like it's um people are not really right. open about that you know but that's why I, I love that that story that you told us about um you know you approaching approaching people you know approaching hackers to work with, together with you you know to yeah. understand them and to get them on the kind of the the good side you know on this ethical yeah. hacking but you know maybe maybe kind of to outline a little bit more into that part you know or to mm -hmm. go a little bit in there what are some of the interesting things that you could share with us you know some some, some yeah. interesting stories that you've seen over the years that you know maybe apply into that space of, of hacking and, and cyber yeah definitely so um you know, I, I first of all, I, I want to say a lot of people think the term hacker is a negative, right? But in many cases, um, the hackers that I, I'm encountering and working with are ethical hackers, um, and their focus is really on how do we break things to make them better, 
And so I've had the pleasure to meet some incredible people that are just doing amazing work to improve security. And, and this is, it's really such an important topic because when it comes to cybersecurity, it's in all of our backyards. It connects all of us globally. And so we need to be aware of it because we can all play a role. Um, you know, uh, most recently, uh, a couple of my friends have been working with uh, a group and, and one of them founded it, uh, Mark Rogers. He's the security lead for DEF CON. He also leads the Cyber Threat Intelligence League with several other very talented people. Uh, if you look up CTI League on, online, you'll see what they're doing. But this was started as 1,700 hackers in 70 countries, 22 time zones, all volunteers during COVID to prevent um, hacks against medical systems, research uh, systems, schools, government, um, and identifying where those vulnerabilities exist and reporting them up to the government. And the cool thing is they just started approaching like federal and international law enforcement and governments. And they said, look, we're doing this. We need your help. Can you help? And all the red tape went away. So they're working with the FBI. They're working with Interpol. They're working with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. They're working with governments around the world to keep infrastructure safe, to keep medical facilities safe, to keep schools safe, all volunteers. And that speaks volumes to me because everybody can learn an aspect or multiple aspects of these skills to come in and to be a protector, almost like a neighborhood watch, where they're looking at their specific city or county or country or wherever they happen to live and helping to secure their backyard and make sure that nefarious actors, malicious actors are not operating there, are not causing damage and devastation. And that we're all pitching in together as part of that collaborative global cyber community to make it a better place. Um, one of my friends, Bill Cheswick, always says it's been the wild, wild west and it's always had bad people. And it made me feel like, you know, a spaghetti western where you've got the, the, the good cowboys and the bad cowboys and they're duking it out. And, and I thought to myself, well, that's kind of the way it is. Um, but I'm an optimist and I'm an idealist, surprisingly. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I've just been blown away by the people that are out there making a positive difference for others that are trying to do what they can in their little digital corner of the internet to make it uh, a friendly place that's welcoming for everybody. That's been exciting to see. Um, the work that they've done is really, really impressive. Uh, Victor Gievers. He's over in the Netherlands. Um, he runs the GDI Foundation. Uh, Victor has been somebody that has been reporting vulnerabilities globally for years now. He was actually recognized by DEF CON, I think a couple years back um, for doing this because he was at first doing it all voluntarily. And then he's like, okay, I, I do need to make some money because I've got to pay bills. And uh, he set up the foundation. He's doing some teaching and some outreach and um, just brilliantly done though, because again, He's alerting people to, hey, your, your websites are secure, your Twitter feed's not secure if you're a national leader, um, your, you know, there's banking information here, or the, these ports are open and they lead to this institute or that. That's the kind of, you know, cybersecurity, um, proactive cybersecurity that we need more of and that I'm excited about and that I think the governments can learn a lot from. And, and we're starting to. This year, uh, we work with DEF CON and we actually did the Hack a Satellite Challenge. We had 100 teams on May 22nd apply globally. 
to compete and they competed and, and did certain tasks in order to get to the top 10. The top 10 teams were then tasked with hacking an Air Force satellite and making it do different things, turn on, turn off different things, take photos, all of that. And you know, we, we had a um, hundred, I think it was $150,000 worth of prizes. And they walked away with the prizes, but we walked away with a better understanding for how to secure our satellite systems, our telecommunications, yeah. safety in space, um, how to keep the International Space Station safe. And especially, if, what if somebody tried to hack into a satellite and maneuver it in a way that we didn't want? Well, now we know how to stop that. And it's thanks to all of these bright minds that came in and said, hey, we want to help. And this is a fun competition. And yeah, we get to win some money, but it's really more about making a difference. And that's that's the other thing that I've been impressed about from the, the various hacker communities that I've been part of. Everybody there is trying to do something to make a positive difference and to have a positive impact, whether it's warning about a threat, identifying an opportunity, um, highlighting risks or taking a technology to the next step to make it better. How can we break it and make it better? That's been the, the core theme for all of these communities. And I, I'm just so pleased to know everybody that, that's in that space trying to make a positive difference. Yeah, that's uh, some very good examples. Um, and I think, I think uh, you know, because it's such a, such a dark or let's say, you know, kind of a, a field which is more or less in the shadows, you know, you're not even noticing, you know, the good that is being done, you know, like, for yeah. example, I, I've, I've, I've known, I've actually heard about Victor, uh, that you just mentioned, because like, I'm, I, there's this podcast, which is called, funny enough, it's called Darknet Stories, and um, uh, I don't know if you've known about it before, but it's, yeah. a, it's a great podcast, right, it's, it's just super interesting stories, and there's one story about, uh, one story about um, um, one of the biggest, uh, biggest black markets, um, that was actually operated out of the Netherlands. And uh, there was like, he mentioned his name and uh, that's how I got to know him about him. But there's, and then when I was listening to that podcast, you know, I was just, I started to realize like there's so many amazing people doing amazing work, which you've never heard of, you know, but which are actually, because of their amazing work, you know, they're influencing your life in such a way that, that you know, you're not yeah. even aware of. That's, um, it's really that's cool. It. You know, Chris Roberts is another friend of mine, and he was the guy that hacked the black box on the airplane to make it fly funny. Okay. Of course, he was arrested as soon as he got on the ground. He's like, hey, guys, I actually found this vulnerability, and I'm trying to help you fix it. And so then he went to go on. He wound up going on to work with FBI and a number of federal agencies to show them, hey, here are the vulnerabilities, and this is what you need to worry about. So many of these hackers, they're very creative. They're very bright. And they're going to show us, hey, there's a problem here. It's a, a serious safety problem. And I mean, had he been a bad actor, he could have done really bad things with that. But yeah. he showed them how to fix it. And that's that's the kind of thing that I am just continually impressed by because they're using their creativeness, they're using their, their brilliance to figure out how do I fix this problem? How do I make it safer? And how do I make it better? And that's inspirational for me because they strive for this across the board in whatever skill set or skill sets they have in the cyber area. That's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, you know, maybe kind of um, um, as a as a let's say last big topic for today. Um, you know, let's let's kind of look at what is kind of next for you. You know, and like reflecting because it's I think it's a good time. You know, because it's kind of the end of the year. You know, we're approaching Christmas and everything. 
and uh, I told you that like oh, I always you know at the end of the year I kind of reflect on my on my on my year you know kind of like look at uh, the things that work the things that haven't worked you know and just in general observe the uh, the the entire year you know what has happened and and kind of what what can I take on for next year but yeah. um, you know and there's a obviously you're doing a lot of exciting things and uh, those are exciting times I think times were always exciting but now they're very exciting and they're very you know very un uncertain and a lot of uncertainty yeah. you know and uh, resilience is kind of the um, you know the thing of the hour so um, you know maybe kind of if, if, if you want to tell us you know what, what is kind of next for you you know like what are you taking into yeah. the next year you know what are the things that you that you want to work on what are the things that you you know that you observe that that you find interesting and, and that that you want to kind of tackle yeah, I, I and thanks for that question, Jonathan, because um, 2020 has been a tough year for a lot of people and um, it's been really chaotic and it's been unprecedented and we're all in this together and it sounds so cliche, but we actually are all in this together. Everybody is going through the same thing. We're experiencing the grief of lost time. We're experiencing the grief of, of lost friends and family members. We're experiencing that tremendous uncertainty, maybe the, the loss of a job. So many things have changed so dramatically in such a short period of time. And yet, and yet, I think more than any other year, I have the most hope that I've ever had. And I'll tell you why. I have seen so many people coming together in positive ways to make a difference for others. I've seen so many people figuring out ways to use their skills even if they're separated from people, they're separated from their jobs, finding ways to you know, really impact others, to leverage technologies in unique ways, to find ways to solve problems. We're seeing so many incredible scientific breakthroughs right now. Uh, here on the earth, we're, we're discovering new species. We're discovering species that we haven't seen that we thought were extinct. And then we're bringing stuff back from the moon. You know, the, the Hayabusa just landed and they've got all of this material from the asteroid. And guess what? They're going to go back and they're going to do it again with two more asteroids. And I'm like, wow, look at all the amazing things we're learning. And then look at all the amazing things our young people are doing. I am so impressed. I, we did a hackathon last weekend with the Mentor Project with students from the United States and Argentina. We had four teams and they came up with the most incredible solutions, like just 14 through 16 year olds, I would have never thought this. And um, one of them came up and they said, look, we have, a, we've got this idea and um, we think it's really going to help improve cybersecurity for young kids because we're worried about kids not understanding the ramifications of the apps that they're downloading. So we want to make a stoplight chart that helps them understand what the dangers are. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. That's amazing. That's so I see people looking at this time, this dark time, and still finding the light in it. And that inspires me. And that lets me know that we're going to come out of this stronger and better and moving forward um, together internationally in a much bigger way. And I, I know that because I used to travel every week. And yet this year, I'm not traveling at all. And I've made even more connections than I've ever made in a year of traveling and visiting different countries and visiting different states. And the connections I've made have been even closer and we're building on them and people are connecting and we're, we're building these amazing networks and ecosystems that are, are spanning around the globe to help our students 
to find new mentors, to solve tough challenges, to address transnational issues in really, really meaningful ways, things that we haven't done before, um, ways that we haven't done before. And that, that's exciting. That feels good. That, that makes me think that, yeah, 2020 felt like a loss, but was it really? I don't think so. I think we've gained a lot. We've gained a lot of perspective. We've become grateful for things that we forgot to be grateful for. And now we have a lot of people coming together and going, this is what really matters. Let's, let's work towards this. Let's make these changes. Um, I always do a, a word of the year. So every new year I do, I do a word of the year. My word this year was serendipity. And when the year kicked off, I was all about it. And then March, when all of this happened, I'm like, oh, I don't know how serendipitous this is, but it turned out to be exactly right, spot on. So um, in 2021, you know, I, I'm actually making my transition out of the military and I'm gonna be heading into the private sector. And my passion is, you know, technology for social impact and innovation and making a difference for those that are coming behind me. So many people have offered a hand to help me up, have mentored me and have you know, shared their knowledge with me so that I could be successful and get to where I am and have the opportunities that I have coming up for me. Now it's my turn to do that for others and I'm so excited for it. So I'll be doing that through Moonmark Space. I'll be doing that through the Mentor Project. Um, I'll be doing that through my own innovation efforts with friends. Um, and I, I'm very much looking forward to it. And then this next year is really about um, what can I do to continue building out the Air Force ecosystem, building out the US government ecosystem, our allied ecosystem and our NATO ecosystem in a meaningful, impactful way that benefits everybody. And I'm having those discussions right now with other innovators and figuring out, are there processes that we can do? Do we have specific goals that we want to achieve this year? Are there technology solutions that we can be cross-cutting collaboration projects on? Um, these are the kinds of things that are happening. That's where, you know, the next eight months, I'm going to be really focused on that. And then the last, the last eight months will be a little sad because that's my transition. I'll have had 25 years of federal government time between my civilian and my military roles. And so it's, it's closing a chapter, so it's a bit bittersweet because I'm going to miss that, but I'm very excited for what's next and starting new adventures. So um, I think that's what's on my mind as the year comes to an end and we begin to transition. And uh, I'll let you know what that, that new year word is for 2021. I'll make sure I, I let you know what that is. But I have a feeling when I, I go through the process, it's going to be a good one because I have really, really, really good feelings about 2021 and where we're headed next. Yeah, it can only get better, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. I see a lot of positive, bright, shining lights from around the world right now with people doing amazing things. Yeah. And um, the only way, uh, we're, we're all going up. I, I see everything moving forward and moving up right now because so many people are like, we got this. We're together in this. We're going to push through it. We're going to find our way, whether it's online, in person, through our work, through our passions to make that difference. And I see so many people now stepping into that going, I don't have to be limited by COVID. I don't have to be limited by what's happening. I can still be that positive force for good. And maybe it's through my computer. Maybe it's through a letter writing campaign. Maybe it's you know, through my art um, or how I, I do music, but everybody has something to share and to make the world a better place. And I see all of that coming forward. So yeah, 2021 is gonna be amazing. Exciting. 100%. And one thing that you didn't mention, and I'm, not, I'm actually not sure whether 
whether I'm taking that away from you right now. But, you know, one thing that you're not, that you didn't mention is that you're going to also start your own podcast, you know, and that. Yes. Yes. Right. So um, I, 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 to be honest, I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Right. So uh, first and foremost, thanks for, for actually being on the show, you know, and, and for having this conversation with me. And I, I think, you know, and also with the rich experience that you have and with all these amazing people that, you know, to be honest, like I'm, I'm super excited that you're gonna do this, you know, and that you're Thank you. you're gonna have these, uh, and I'm, 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 I'm 100 sure that you're gonna have amazing, amazing guests, amazing conversations, and uh, thank you. Very much looking forward to that. Well, and I, I really appreciate the kind invitation, and thanks for taking the time to share, you know, these stories because if you look at it, podcasters are the heroes of 2020. You're highlighting the positives, you're giving people hope, and you're sharing the stories that otherwise might not get told. So thanks for everything you do, and thanks for having me. And I, I'm just so grateful that I had the opportunity to meet you and, and be part of what you're building. And um, I really appreciate the enthusiasm for, for what I'm headed to build too with Impactful Innovations. It's going to be great. So let's definitely keep in touch and let's do this again. And um, Jonathan, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for hosting me. 100%. Thanks for being on the show, Jen.